In this episode, Carly and I are chatting with former NBA player Mario West about how to achieve any dream in life. Listeners, we hope you are doing amazing as well. We are super excited to have Mario on today. Um, The topic is about defending your dream and the way to do that. And so I'm excited to hear how he breaks that down. Yeah, I want to give my personal Mario story and say, (laughs) I don't even know how long I've been connected to you via social, but it's so interesting to me how folks can be connected via Twitter, Instagram, all those things, right? And you could be like kikiing it up and joking around, but also it's nice to get some good nuggets um, and information and just sharing things with each other as well. And so it was a few years ago that he actually hit me up and was like, hey, I'd like to send you my book. And I love to read. So of course, like I would say yes to that. And so thank you so much because he sent me the book that we're going to kind of be talking about today. Um, So I appreciate that. I appreciate you being a follower and a connection that also likes to share and, and, you know, share resources and tips and ideas and things of that nature. So I just want to extend that appreciation to you as well as we get started. Well, thank you. I really appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity. Uh, I think this is a dope platform that you created to uh, generate some amazing content and allow these stories and these storytellings to empower others. So thank you for allowing me to be uh, your guest. No problem. And let's actually introduce you for real, for real. Absolutely. Mario West is a retired American professional basketball player who previously played in the NBA for the Atlanta Hawks and the New Jersey Nets. He played basketball overseas for five years with six different teams, including the Dominican Republic's Cañeros del Este, where he helped win the league championship and garnered finals MVP honors. Mario is currently the director of player personnel for the men's basketball team at his alma mater, Georgia Institute of Technology, where he was a member of the school's legendary 2004 Final Four team and became the 2007 NCAA Slam Dunk Contest winner. Ooh, fancy. And I just want to point out that on the back of his book, which is named Defend the Dream, the ultimate playbook to achieve any dream in life, that he has this photo in the back. And what you guys are looking at, for those of you watching the video, if not, look at the YouTube video, looking just as young. So shout out to you. I don't even know when this, this photo was probably old when you took it, when you put it on this book. Oh, was it? Uh, it was what, two, two, three years ago? Three years ago. Hmm, longer than that. This book was from 2016, I believe. Is that That's the year you wrote it? That's what oh, it says inside. Well, I'm, tripping. I, I'm tripping, yes. Yeah, so five years. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. been that long, yeah. So I'm giving you a compliment. I'm saying you you look just as young, just as great, nothing different. You know how sometimes folks are like, oh, doesn't doesn't look the same. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But But also, if you're watching the video, he has on what seems to be some merch. If I'm if I'm looking at this correctly. Oh, it is, it is merch, in fact. (laughs) Defend the dream. I love the title. Can you can you talk to us about um in general? this book that you wrote, Defend the Dream, and what kind of brought you to a place where you felt like you wanted to get all of your thoughts and all of you know the hurdles and how you overcame obstacles and your playbook, why you kind of thought to put that into a book in the first place? Yeah, so interestingly enough, uh, I'm a firm believer, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me, I'm a firm believer of uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And, you know, we all have those moments where we sit back and reflect just on life, where we are, where we've been and where we headed. And um, at the time I was playing over in Argentina. So this is 
2015. So I'm what, 31 at the time and I'm playing really well. And so I'm kind of at that on the verge of like, hey, I'm transitioning from, you know, retirement, but I'm also like, I'm chasing the bag. Let me be honest, you know what I mean? Like I'm playing really well. And it's like, you know what, man, I'm gonna get this bag over the next, you know, three to four years. And then I will hone in and figure out what my next chapter is gonna be, you know, life after basketball. And two things that, that happens is, is that you either leave the game or the game leaves you. And so what happened for me was that the game left me. I ended up tearing my Achilles, oh, you man. know? So, mm. you know, shout out to uh, one of my idols whom I've had the honor and privilege of sharing a moment with and guarding him in the game, Kobe Bryant. But watching Kobe Bryant tear his Achilles and go to the free throw line and just, I'm just like, what? Because when I tore my Achilles, it was done. Like It was I, a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> like, people thought I was whistling, but I was actually like screaming. I gave out a little, you know, like, ah, you know. It was <laughs> so I say that to say that I'm sitting up in my, my room. My, my leg is propped up, it's elevated. And I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, sometimes when we, we go through some type of, you know, tragedy or some type of obstacles that's this all of a sudden, it's just sudden, it's like out of nowhere, we just get smacked and get knocked down. Um, we ask why, right? But at that moment, because of things that I had already been through in my life, I didn't say why. I said, okay, guy, what do you want me to do now? At that very moment, he said, you know what, it's time. So many times we put off, we, we say, you know what, when so, such and such lines up right, you know what I mean? I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. It's not going to be perfect. And we just keep putting off, putting off, putting off. And I really wish, to be honest, in all honesty, that I would have wrote that book like my first year in, in the league because I could have got so much more support. I could have done so many more things on a bigger scale. But nonetheless, the book is out and I'm so, so proud of it. So at that very moment, God was like, look, you've been putting this off, man. You got to empower others. All that I've given you, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm -hmm. your duty. And I feel like that's it's for us all to do. So that's why. So in my head right now, I'm getting that 90s movies like skirt. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> that's that's how I'm thinking about it in my head with with you letting out that little shriek that you just uh, <laughs> gave us. <laughs> and so I want to kind of go back to to ask you as a child and growing up, was that always like the dream you had was to play in the NBA um, and kind of like what did that look like? Was it difficult for you? Was it? easy it was in your cards everything kind of just worked out for you tell us a little bit about getting to that point and then I want to come back to this moment as well like with how you uh transitioned as well yeah absolutely that that is a great question so for me uh let me say I come from a huge family this is going to be shocking uh because I know everyone says like oh I got a huge family but on my mother's side my grandfather had um 34 kids. Oh my gosh. My <laughs> yeah, you weren't playing. Hold on, wait, 34? 34. Okay. 34. Wow. 34. Um, and 11 by my grandmother. And wow. uh, I come from, and then on my dad's side, it's, it's a big family, but a lot smaller. So I say that to say that all of my uncles, um, they play basketball, football, baseball, even my aunties were volleyball and basketball. So I come from a big like athletic family. So sports was just, it's just in my blood. And, and basketball is something that I just gravitated towards because of, you know, what I saw in my family. And then my favorite player of all time was Michael Jordan. So at the age of seven, at the Boys and Girls Club, so I was born in Huntsville, Alabama. And there was a Boys and Girls Club right in the projects where I grew up. And that was an outlet 
you know, for kids to keep kids off the street and everything like that. And so, you know, basketball was just a means that I just, I just love to do. And I remember telling my grandmother at the age of seven that I'm going to make it to the NBA. One day I'm going to buy you a house, a big old house. That was just like my thing. And, uh, I'm blessed to say that I didn't buy my grandmother a house because she didn't want to move. You know, old folks, they, I didn't Man, they never want to move. Anyways. <laughs> my grandma's surrounded by boarded houses. Like, grandma, we can, we can move you. But she move. is not, but they not, not worried about it. But uh, I paid off that house. And, and that was one of the, my proudest moments that, you know, that was the house that I grew up in. My, my dad, you know, my uncles, you know, my auntie, everyone, like anytime you fall on hard times, one place you know you can go is big mama house, grandma house. And that was the house that, that I paid off. And so for me, it wasn't a, a straight path. And I, I think that's important because that's why I wanted to write the book because oftentimes when you have a dream, whether that's an actor, singer, engineer, whatever it is, it's not a straight path. You're gonna have so many obstacles. You're gonna have so many things that you're gonna have to overcome in life. And for me, you know, early on, you know, I talk about in this book to be very transparent. My mom was, my parents were very young. They were babies trying to raise a baby. My dad was, was 19. My mom was 17. My mom got addicted to drugs like crack cocaine. And she was in prison incarcerated for much of my childhood. So imagine, you know, my mom was my everything. You know what I mean? Like imagine just going through that at, at seven years old, all the way up until I was a teenager and dealing with that, going to see my mom, speaking to her through a glass window on the phone, you know? And so one of my biggest motivators is like, you know what, man, I want to be in a position to help my mom. I want to be a, in a position to do things, you know, for my family. But, you know, when you come from the projects or you come from uh, those circumstances, people, what they will try to do, they'll try to put their fears on you mm -hmm. or they'll try to put limitations on you and say, you know what, man, you come from, how you think you're going to make it to the NBA, man? You're, you only, you come from a single or broken home or you come from, you know, X, Y, and Z. But my thing is don't allow the limitations that others place on you to reduce the height of your potential. And that's something that I really just took pride in and said, you know what, I'm going to rise above what everyone else thinks. And one of my favorite scriptures not to preach those is prayer of Jabez, uh, enlarge my coast. And that's something that I have one of my, my tats, my last tat actually, because it's on my ribs, it hurt. But mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. And, and that's, you know, what it was for me. That's a great story. And one thing that stood out to me though, is the fact that you had a dream. And so I think a lot of times some people in those circumstances, you know, whether they, they do have a dream and maybe more often than not, these kids have a dream, but then they do just let it get limited and maybe they just kind of scruff it to the side. Um, but as a young person, how did you do that? Like, how were you able to like stay in a space where you're like, no, I'm really going to work towards this? Or is that something that's easy to say in hindsight? Because I think a lot of times we'll look back and it's like, you know, we can say these things now, but during that time, was it easy? Like, did you really have the foresight to be like, you know what, I'm still going to make it and I know how I'm going to do it? Honestly, I, I did, but I can't take, you know, credit. Uh, it's really my, my support system. Like early on, so my, my grandmother was the first person to instill in me, like introduce me to God. Like my grandmother was, you know, would walk in her room. She's crying and, and praying. And then after she's done praying, she's shouting. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's like tears of joy. So I would say early on that foundation um, of, of faith and just knowing that there are going to be trials and that you're going to have to work for things. And my grandfather, who was a brick mason and worked, you know what I'm saying? Like the things that I saw early on, just hard work, faith, 
you know, from, from my grandparents, even from my father. So at the age of nine, I moved my dad um, and my mom divorced. No, actually when I was five, but moved with my dad. And he was like militant. He was in the military. So his discipline, like he didn't allow me to, you know, it was like, get up in the morning, make up your bed. Mm -hmm. It was, he was almost like major pain. You know what I'm saying? Like that structure wouldn't allow me to succumb to anything else or settle for anything less. And did you so, like that during the time? Um, you weren't very rebellious. No, I wasn't. You, you know why? Because one thing that, that I feared, I feared my dad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not gonna lie. And my grandmother, in the sense of the sacrifices that my grandparents and my grandmother made, you know, I didn't want to let them down. You know what I mean? They made so many sacrifices for me, even my dad, you know, mm -hmm. had made sacrifices. And even though my mom was, you know, having her, you know, fighting her own demons and stuff like that, like, I just want to do it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, often you see people on the verge of their breakthrough but for whatever reason they get pulled back and they turn the other way and I wanted to break that chain for you know my family that's so, that's awesome. so awesome and I guess I'm asking a lot about that because it seems like when you hear stories about people who are doing great things many times they come from adversity or adverse situations but I just always wonder like what is that thing where you know some people maybe it just seems like they have it or they don't have it where they just they don't really have that perspective to like, oh, I want to make my parents proud or I want to honor my grandma or my dad or whatever it is. And so that's what I'm kind of asking. I wonder what it is about some folks where they can see bigger picture maybe. Um, but uh, apparently it's a good thing that you did because you went on to have uh, a successful career in the space that you were aiming to be in. Um, so then as you get to a place now where that career ends, did you not feel shattered at all? I hear a lot of stories about athletes where, you know, that's all they know and that's all they've done. And, you know, since they were a kid, all they do is work up, work out, put layups up. Um, you know, what did you kind of go through afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. And and also I got to highlight this because I'm, I'm so proud and I'm, I'm a passionate person. Like my love language is acts of service and I love serving. So that's just me. Like I'm a person that just love helping others. Uh, so now I'm currently just to put my little bit in, I'm working for the NBA Players Association by the grace oh, of God. Awesome. I'm off the court. Um, of course, you know, the book was out before I got this job mm -hmm. and I can tell you more about my role, but you know, to your point is that, um, I'm trying to, I'm kind of lost my, my, my train of thought of what you just asked. Um, the transition, mm -hmm. the transition. So, to be very honest with you, and I, that's why, I, again, I love this platform because I, I feel like I can share this and others need to hear this, is that I struggle. Mm -hmm. I say I struggle, I struggle. So let me tell you what, what it's like, you know, when you transition, right? It's almost like um, the Shawshank Redemption where he's talking about, um, I can't remember his name. I think it's Brooks or whatever, right? And he was like, well, man, he got out in society, but he was institutionalized. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Played this game for, for, for so long and we used to the praise and, you know what I'm saying, all those things that, that come with being, you know, a celebrity or a figure. And so for me, the perfect analogy for me to uh, describe my own personal transition, and I think a lot of others will, will be able to, uh, you know, resonate with this, is uh, Batman versus Bruce Wayne. So when I put on that jersey and that uniform, man, I was Batman and, and respected as such. Even though I wasn't the LeBron or, you know what I'm saying, one of them top players, but still mm -hmm. my local community or anytime you just play in the NBA, it's like, man, you play in the NBA? Wow, you play against my superstars. You are respected and put on a pedestal like a Batman. But then when I retired, 
it's like, man, I'm not Batman no more mm-hmm. and shit. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm no longer <laughs> Bruce Wayne either because I don't have that type of money. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to have to keep working, you know what I'm saying, to figure out. So I went through that whole identity crisis of trying to figure out who was Mario West, trying to figure out my why. Um, from a financial standpoint, too, it's like, yeah, I made some money and made a lot of money and did some great things. But also, I could have done a lot of things more uh, to put me in a better position where I could have, you know, kind of moved differently because now I'm working on a smaller budget and them checks are not coming in anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not able to do some of the things that I was accustomed to doing. I could, but it's like there's no money coming in. So those are the two key factors that, you know what I'm saying, I struggle with. And it was, you know, at first, man, I didn't like going out into the community because people ask you all the time. It's like, oh man, I remember you so-and-so when you did X, Y, and Z. It's like what Fiki said, man, you was the homie. What happened to you, man? Like. Mm-hmm. So um, I just hated that. And so I would like be incognito with a hood. And I hated people asking me, what are you doing now? You know what I'm saying? And nothing. Not only did I not know what I was doing, but I didn't know when I was going to be doing something. So I struggled. But, uh, you know, that's just a part of life. Uh, you know, you go through things and, you know, you just have adversity and you just got to keep fighting. So thank you for sharing that. And that is so we're out of friend who just got who recently got out of the NFL and it's the same thing he was like everything I do seems so much lesser than like I've already won a Super Bowl like what else am I you know what I'm saying like that's the pinnacle of so many people's livelihoods so you transitioned um you didn't know what you were going to do you know figuring out who you are did you use some of the steps that are in your book to help you figure out your why or to make that transition or was the book part of that transition like how does that fit in here yeah, the book was definitely part of that, that transition because to write the book, um, I had to go through and live some of those painful moments. And, and one thing that we do, or I think we should do, we should recycle our pain. And that's how you're able to kind of push forward, you know what I'm saying? Because in life, some things are meant to stop you or they can accelerate you. And so me writing the book was like very therapeutic. That was like the first step. Okay, look, let me put this out. You know, not only just the message itself, but also, you know what? I got my degree in business management from Georgia Tech. So now let me generate a second, you know, income. You know what I'm saying? With this book and marketability, let me now be a motivational speaker. Now let me open up a whole avenue, you know, and, and use this platform to, to do other things. And so one of the things that, that really, really helped me, uh, you know, I took some time out. Like I said, I'm a firm believer of prayer and just sitting still in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think sometimes we can, you know, move too much and we can miss something. And it can be just something, something so subtle, small. It can be uh, words or something like that on a commercial or a movie or something, or even a song that kind of triggers something. And so in that moment, as I was transitioning, I originally thought I wanted to get into coaching. You know, most guys that play like, man, you know what? I want to do coaching. But just because you play the game don't mean you're no good coach. (laughs) And so it took me three years to kind of figure out because as I was at Georgia Tech, on the coaching staff, I was like, you know what, this role is cool, but it's not fulfilling for me. What does Mario West like to do the most? And that's when I wrote my book. I also started my foundation, a nonprofit, the Mario West Foundation to give back, defend the dream scholarships at my high school that I'm proud of. Um, I've been two years in a row, I've done that. And so then everything started to come full circle of like, you know what, what's your why? What wakes you up? What really gets you boiling and pushes you to every day to the max and something that's just gratifying that you could do just for free. And that's how ultimately uh, I really got into this role that I'm in now. Uh, it came open, I interviewed for it and 
you know, by the grace of God, I, I'm two years in. That's awesome. What do you do for the NFL or the in the NBA NPA. players? Yeah, NBA PA. Yeah, <laughs> is that what it is? NBA PA. I'm like, yeah, NBA PA, uh, NBA Association. So um, I'm a director of a program called Off the Court. Off the Court is essentially a transition program, right? This is how things come full circle, right? So we have a number of resources. We as the MVPA, we have a number of resources internally from programs, you know, guys have uh, player benefits, things to help guys figure out their passions and other interests off the court. But more importantly, to figure out their why, you know, to help them. Um, it's, it's almost like, <clears throat> um, you know, we are the, a, I'm a bridge to the other programs. So a guy may come and say, you know what, I'm interested in broadcasting, I'm interested in real estate, I'm interested in NASA or, you know, even coaching. We have all of these things internally for guys to take advantage of to get some real life experience to see what it's like, you know, from a day-to-day -day perspective. And then in addition to that, again, like we have their benefits and stuff like that. So I try to be proactive and intentional in connecting with guys and making sure, hey, just want you to know, you you. We have, you know, X, Y, and Z lined up for you whenever you're ready to take advantage of. And it's not something that you push on guys because a lot of guys are not ready to receive that. So I try to meet guys where they are. I just try to, you know, uh, my uh, way of breaking the ice. I'm not sure. Do you, y'all follow basketball? This is not as know. much anymore. I don't. Yeah. I'm sure y'all seen this meme. Have y'all seen the meme? I'll see the memes. Are, are y'all Lakers fans? Lakers? Mm. No. Recently, I'm a couple I'm sure of me. So there's a meme that I've been the butt of jokes for, I mean, for years now. Uh, the Shannon Brown block. If you YouTube that, listeners, <laughs> look this out. It's a, it's a block by Shannon Brown. Shannon Brown blocks my shot, right? And then the Lakers bitch is going crazy. And so that is the perfect analogy or perfect uh, segue to how, what transition was looking like for me and how this role is impactful. Because in the game of basketball, you want to get in transition. You want to score easy buckets, and you want to take advantage of the defense. In that clip on YouTube, you see me transition from defense to offense, and I'm unprepared, and I'm unaware <laughs> of the obstacles behind me. And subsequently, yeah, Shannon Brown blocks my shot. He gets called for a foul. But Probably it pulled it up. <laughs> yeah, that's why we over here laughing. <laughs> oh, it's all good. So uh, I, I say that to say that that's what happens. You know, mm -hmm. when you're and when you're unaware of the obstacles that you can face because guys they never retired before so how do they know what transition looks like and so when you're unprepared and unaware mm -hmm. of the obstacles you can get knocked down so my job is to, to make sure that guys it's not going to be an easy transition no matter what but I try to make that process as seamless as possible and I imagine you can't prepare for not having a thing be a part of your life that's been a part of your life your whole life so um and I think there there are a lot of programs now that try to do that like try to help them, you know, like think about other things, even while they're in the league and, and before that comes to an end. Um, but still it's like, how can you not just focus on the game while you can play the game? So I get it. I think that is very difficult. Um, but it's awesome that there are folks like you who are able to kind of be there with that and like hold space without, like you said, not trying to force that on folks, um, but letting them know that that's available, letting them know, uh, what resources they have. I think that's very important. And I think it's even more special that you've been there because mm -hmm. I, they can trust what you say more than if like I was the person doing that. They're like, girl, you ain't never played a day. Like you mm -hmm. used to play basketball like in high school, but like it's different when you've actually been there. And so I love how 
God lines those things up. Like this moment that was such like a earth shattering, like life changing moment for you has become a foundation for you to help all of these other players do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I think next we want to talk uh, a little bit more about referencing some of the ideas that you talk about in the book. So I do love how um, you frame this book and laid it out like a basketball game. So you have your four quarters, you have plays within the quarter. I think that's very cool. And that's a good way also to connect, especially with a younger audience. Would you say you kind of had a younger audience in mind for this? Or what would you say for everybody? Yeah, for everybody. And, and I tell anyone, I mean, they see the title. And of course, if you know me, you know my dream. It's like, but it's not a basketball book. This is a, a book mm-hmm. about life. You know what I mean? And, and having a dream and willing and understanding what it takes to fulfill dream to, to, mm-hmm. to Basically. But but that's cool because I think in life, like most people can understand those types of metaphors. And so it's like easier to say, hey, break it down in this way and then apply that to your life. And so four quarters that you mentioned in the book were endurance, passion, humility and discipline and faith and determination. So can you just kind of give us like within each starting with endurance, kind of like why why that was you know, the first quarter, because I don't know if the order was important, if you were just like, that sounds good. Um, but give us like a few kind of tips or like something around that. Like what was, what was the purpose of the endurance quarter? I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to keep these simple because I can go off mm-hmm. on the tangent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all. So um, shout out to uh, the, the late, great Nipsey, you know, uh, it's a marathon and, and, and having endurance anytime you have a dream, you have to have endurance. It's, it's like a boxing match. You got to have that, that stamina and understand that, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, so much energy that you're going to have to, you know, come up with like over and over and over. And so the analogy with the whole basketball and, and I use for like the jump ball is that that's what your dream is like. Like you got to jump for it over and over and over. And seeing this, sometimes it seems like the ball is about to hit your hands then boom, it's going away. And then you got to jump again. You know what I mean? Just think of like people want to work out and you say, okay, look, jump for 20 seconds straight. Just jump high as you can for 20 seconds. They're going to get tired. That's only 20 seconds. So if you can't do that for 20 seconds, think of what it's going to be like for your dream jumping right. over and over, mm-hmm. over. So you have to have endurance, number one, when you're pursuing your dream. Okay. Second quarter, passion. Passion. Well, uh, you know, passion, like, you don't need an alarm clock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you're passionate about something, you know, like you just do it, like you love it. Like you pour so much of, like you don't even think about endurance. You don't think about nothing else. All you think about is just being your best version. And for me, like I said, that passion started early on at the age of seven. And it was something that, you know, people all the time, they say, you know what? I want to do this. I want to do that. The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. I'm going to repeat that. The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. People desire, you know, whether I desire to be married, I desire this person, I desire to be a dentist or whatever, but how do you pursue that? Because if you have passion, you're going to pursue it wholeheartedly. Seven days a week, 365, no days off, no excuses. You're going to get it done. Yeah. And that's funny because we talk all the time about, you know, one of the first things you got to recognize sometimes is it's cool to be like, I want to be better at this or that or a better person. But then if you look at your actions in your life, and you say like, oh man, I really want to, you know, make more money, but you're not really doing anything. You'd rather watch Netflix all day. So you got to be real with yourself too about, well, what really is your passion? Cause it might not be that. Um, so that is a very key. Mm-hmm. Um, quarter three is humility and discipline. 
humility and, and discipline. I think just with anything, you got to have, you know, humility and, and understand, you know, you can't, one of the things that, that I like to say is that you can't, don't get too high and don't get too low. You know what I'm saying? What they say, say even, even kill. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when things are going well and you can kind of be like me, 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 you know what I'm saying? You get to feeling yourself and everything like that, but then you can easily get brought right back down. But then when you're at your lowest, you know what I'm saying? You got to understand like that is a temporary inconvenience for a major permanent comeback. You know what I'm saying? So just have some humility, just understand like, you know, I'm no better than no one else. You know what I'm saying? I can start out from the ground up and work my way up to be in the best position that I want to be in as far as discipline. Uh, I mean, with anything, you got to have discipline. I mean, if you can't, how you do anything is how you do everything, you know? And so discipline in your daily habits and, and also the way that you talk to yourself and put things out in the atmosphere, uh, discipline in how you, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your body. Those are some keys because there was a lot of guys that were more talented than me uh, but they just didn't have the fortitude, the mental fortitude to be disciplined every single day to work on their craft. And ultimately they didn't, they didn't make it or it was over before you knew it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is so important. Um, and in the book, it's evident and also just in what we've been talking about right now, but you can tell that faith is a cornerstone in your life. And so that I like that faith and determination is quarter four, because that's like, it does, it kind of does, kind of doesn't matter everything else, like how it matters how you show up in Q4. So you can talk about faith and determination. Yeah, um, absolutely. So faith is just something that, I mean, early on, like I said, that my grandmother, I have to applaud Alberta West. Unfortunately, you know, she passed away. Uh, it's been what, two years now? But uh, man, we did some incredible things. And my grandmother, that was one thing that she instilled in me since day one, just faith. You know, faith in God and faith in God, what he's given to you. You know what I mean? Like your ability, like, and be unapologetic in terms of who you are and the things that he's given you. He's given you the, the resources. But sometimes I think like when you have a dream and we pray for it, right? And we say, you know what, man, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast. But then we pray for, I mean, we check in the mailbox every single day. And when it don't come in the mailbox, you're like, man, like, what's up, they God, you late on delivering what you promised to me? You know what I mean? But that's what is going to sustain you is faith. And faith in realizing, okay, I've had small victories. I can't dismiss those small victories. You know what I'm saying? And, and mm -hmm. think like, one thing that helped me as I digress for a second was thinking about what God has already delivered me from. So when I have faith in you know, whether it was an exam or whatever it is that I had faith in. And he allowed me to overcome that and be victorious. So it's like, look, God, you've already allowed me to show him that my faith in you was worthy. So now I'm in the midst of this. My faith is even stronger. And so you got to sharpen that. Faith is like a, um, it's, it's almost like a free throw or, or a jump shot that is not something that you just have once. Like you got to practice. You got to work it at that daily. You know what I'm saying? Like, because faith, your faith can't waver. You know what I'm saying? So I'm constantly working you know, with my own faith, trying to become strong. And that's something that you're going to have to sustain and make sure that you're working at. Those are good. Would you say that the order is important? The way you laid those out? Was that on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think, you know, you know, no, but that, that, let me, let me, you know, back up in uh, humility. Um, I think all of them are important. There's no particular order. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just the way that, you know, we just, uh, me and my co-author decided, uh, decided to out, outline uh, the book, but all of them are equally important. Mm -hmm. So I would say mm -hmm. one is more important than the other. I feel like they could build upon each other though. And I like how now within those quarters, every chapter was a play. Um, and so a couple of plays that stood out to us, we want to ask you about 
Uh, the first one I want to ask you about is how do you build character in the face of adversity? Mm, that is a, a great question. How do you build? So <clears throat> that is one thing that I would say is, is really challenging, you know, because, um, you know, when you're going through adversity, um, you know, sometimes if you never experienced that before, like you struggle, right? And you're trying to figure out, you know, who am I? Why did this happen to me? You know what I'm saying? Or why am I going through this? And sometimes when that's all you know, <laughs> you yeah. still, that's why you struggle. <laughs> and sometimes that, that's all you know. So I would say when you make it out, it's, it's almost like a storm, right? The, the storm in itself, or let me back up. Um, in the midst of chaos, there's opportunity, right? So in the midst of that adversity, that's when your true character is revealed. And then you learn more about yourself. I learned more about myself through the struggle than I ever did when I was, you know what I'm saying, on that mm -hmm. climb mm -hmm. of success. And so that's very important. It's like, you have to go through those things because you will never know how strong you are unless you were at your weakest. You know what I'm saying? When you came back from that adversity and then you saw, okay, look, my character, you know what? I'm strong. I got broad shoulders. I can take on everything that I'm facing right now in the midst because number one, I know God has got my back. He's never failed me. Number two, I'm so passionate about what I'm going through, about what I'm going to uh, accomplish. And then three, you know, I got the discipline, humility, and I got the endurance to withstand all of it. So, you know, that, that's very, very important. It's almost like this. I was reading something. I have uh, daily devotionals and uh, I have a, a journal. I write too. I write, um, you know, poetry. I write um, uh, just notes. And I was going through my notes and it was talking about character and it was talking about adversity, right? And it's crazy that you just mentioned it. Sorry, I'm digressing. I don't think I'm crazy. But it was talking about the, the tea bag, right? The, the tea bag. Have y'all know about that? Right. When you put tea bag in hot boiling water, then its true character um, is revealed. You know what I'm saying? The flavor, and yeah. then it becomes tea. That boiling hot water, that's adversity. But then it's revealed of what tea actually is. And I just thought, you know, like, wow, mm -hmm. I just how to put that together. But that's very important, needless to say. No, that that is right. I like the tea bag analogy. I've heard like the you know pressure makes diamonds and mm -hmm. stuff. But as I enjoy tea, so I like that one. Um, another. Mm -hmm play that kind of stood out to me is finding your niche like there's a saying that the riches are in the niches and so if you could talk more about that so you have a dream you're immersing yourself in your craft you know you're being disciplined like what does it look like to find your niche yes yes it's um h-o-h-o-v i'm gonna shout out the great hove i shout out a lot of people because i'm inspired by things they say and for songs and stuff like that so for me you know, coming into, I'm gonna start back, right? I'm gonna start back at, uh, at Georgia Tech. I was a small fish. Well, back when I was in high school, I'm gonna start high school. I was a, a big fish in a little pond, right? I was the man. Then I come to Georgia Tech and then there's the humility aspect where it's like, man, I'm a small fish in a ocean. I ain't the man no more. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you're trying to, to prove yourself and you're trying to fit in and you're trying to like really, really find your way and from a basketball standpoint, it's like, man, everyone, they already had scores. They already had, you know, guys to do other things. What was one thing that I could bring an ingredient that I could bring to the table that uh, wasn't, uh, that I'm not going to say the other guys didn't have, but something that would stand out and, and ultimately help the team, but also help myself. 
And so I think it's very, very important for you to find your niche, find something that, that you're really, really good at. And oftentimes you're either born with something, a gift, or along the way you develop a gift, but either way you don't betray it. Like you have to build upon that. And it's very, very important for you to harness that, that craft and, and find your niche and then stay in it and don't be afraid. Because sometimes man, we're like, you know what, man, which I'm not saying is, is um, uh, that you can't be more than like an athlete or whatever, right? But find your niche and then build upon that. That is a solid foundation that everything else will evolve and grow from. I like that. And then we noticed that at the end of each quarter, one of the plays was expect the unexpected. But then in the last one, you changed that to expect the expected. So tell us a little bit about that um, and why you kind of go from expecting the unexpected to actually expecting what you're working towards. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with, with the first part, right? Expect the unexpected. Um, I like to call this, because um, in there I talk about like David and Goliath, right? We all are going to have some Goliaths in our life when pursuing a dream or just in life in general. And that Goliath being the insurmountable obstacles that seem like, oh my gosh, how I'm going to overcome this. But um, just like David, that little shepherd boy, and he came with that little slingshot, you know what I'm saying? He went in his bag, you know what I mean? And he, you know, did his thing. Um, you have to expect that, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a part of life. Like, just if it, everything was just a cakewalk, I mean, then everything would be easy. Everybody would do it. So I think expecting the unexpected and just knowing that, hey, it's going to be something. I don't know when, but look, man, if I'm prepared mentally and then also emotionally, physically, and spiritually, then me expecting the unexpected. And then when it comes, then I'm able to, um, you know, overcome. And then expect the expect is just, that's just to me, it's just faith. Like I expected to make it to the NBA. I really did. Like, you know, and this is me being totally honest. Like it wasn't so much my ability in the gift, but the giver. Like I made a, I mean, he made a promise. You know what I'm saying? Like oftentimes we pray for something, but we're not prepared to handle it. But I trusted that he was going to prepare me whatever I didn't have or that I lacked, that he was going to provide for me. And so that was just my faith. Like I said, just training since the age of seven, putting positive things out there in the atmosphere, the way I, I talked to myself, the way I, I prayed and I cared about my, my craft. I love that. We talk about often like our thoughts and the way we talk to ourselves, like we become, we create our own reality essentially. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you believe you can do all these things, you start having those habits, you take those actions, you walk in it and then it comes to pass. Um, so I love those. I was thinking um, because this book came out in 2016, I believe after five years, like, is there anything in the book that you would change or update or maybe add? Like the timeouts were my favorite, like the little pull to the side, like timeout, get your life together. Um, is there anything that you would like add or change in it? I wouldn't change anything. Honestly, um, I've been on my, my co-author, shout out to Shekinah Bolden, um, who helped me put together uh, the book and did a fantastic job of um you know, help me put the book together. But there's a second part. Um, and that part is, to me, is, is really where, as I mentioned earlier, is from dream to destiny. So for me, for what happened, uh, just a quick snippet of what would be in the second book, whenever I get that done, because I'm putting it off again, um, is that at the age of 25, I got cut from the Hawks, right? And I went overseas, I went overseas to China and got cut over there. And so what happened was I was like devastated. Like, this is something that I prayed, passionate about all I ever wanted in life. 
was given to me. Then all of a sudden it was taken away from me, devastated, right? So what happens was, what happened uh, in, that, in that moment reminds me in the Bible when Peter uh, when he was walking on the water uh, and then he took his eyes off God and then he started to, to sink. That's really what happened to me. You know what I'm saying? That NBA lifestyle, I was just doing the most and everything like that, right? So sometimes we pray for something, we get it, but then we forget to really praise and thank the giver. We just focus so much, so much on the gift itself. So I would say just, just looking back, you know, when you get it, that's perfect, but don't forget to do those things that you were doing before when you got the gift. And that's kind of like, you know, what happened. So that's kind of like the continuation upon the book. You know what I mean? So that's the only thing. That's good. And we were asking, um, if you had another book that was going to come out or if that's something that you feel like you're going to keep doing. And it sounds like it's sitting probably parts of it on your laptop, but you got to get back to it. Got to get back to it. See, I want to <laughs> do, um, I was so inspired by all American. I actually, I'm putting this out there as well. I've had conversations, uh, small talk about, I want that book to be uh, turned into a, a TV series or, or even a movie. So that's something that I've been putting out there and I've already, you know, started feelings with that as well. Like it's just so much that I think can get out of the book um, and to expand on that. And the book is just the beginning. That's cool. Well, definitely want our listeners to check you out. Mario West, Defend the Dream. Um, I keep wanting to say defund, but I'm thinking about all these tweets talking about defund everything right now. <laughs> Defend the dream. Um, and we want to thank you for being a guest. You dropped a lot of good gems, a lot of nuggets about life and just, you know, what are some of the important cornerstones to help you kind of get through with that? Um, we want to shout you out. We usually do a shout out at the end. We're going to shout you out for being an awesome guest. And we want you to let us and listeners know um, if you have anything that you want to shout out, anything you want to tell people about, um, how they can connect with you, where they can find you, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank y'all again. This is, like I said, has been an amazing experience. Thank y'all for this uh, awesome platform. Uh, y'all are very beautiful hosts, and I really, really appreciate you guys for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mario West 6. Uh, I need to get back on Twitter, uh, but I think it's Mario. No, West you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, ooh, I'm good. <laughs> um, my, uh, for my book, go to MarioWest.com if anyone would like to purchase uh, the book. I also have a nonprofit. Anyone looking to donate uh, to a, a, a nonprofit, they can check out some of the things that I've done um, in the community, uh, which is the MarioWestFoundationInc.com. Check that out. And then I'm going to just leave with, with five quick nuggets uh, that I believe are my keys to success. Uh, number one, being bold in your declaration. You got to speak things into existence. Uh, number two is you got to be diligent. You, you got to work for it and don't confuse activity versus accomplishment. A lot of people, you know, I use this basketball analogy when guys say, look, man, I want to get better at my game. And it's like, oh, man, I've been in the gym two or three hours a day. That's activity. What did you really accomplish? Mm -hmm. um, the third thing, which is probably uh, the hardest, I know it was very, very challenging for me um, from seven to 22 when I actually got in the NBA is be patient. You got to trust God's timing, trust the process, uh, which is very challenging. Uh, and the fourth is uh, believe that you're already equipped with everything that you need to succeed. If you don't believe in yourself, then how are you going to you know, get anyone else to believe in you? Um, and then the, the fifth is, is uh, be prepared for a fight. Be prepared for the opposition, you know, and that's David and Goliath. You know, I'm going to refer back to that, that little shepherd boy with that little slingshot. So 
those are my five keys uh, to success. And so, yeah, that's it. We love it. Thank you so much. We appreciate you once again. And then we also end our episodes with a question of the week. So Carly, I'm gonna let you ask and we'll ask you first. Absolutely. <laughs> so this week's question of the week, what important feelings am I not letting into my awareness? Mm. Can you repeat that again? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> what important feelings am I not letting into my awareness? What important feelings am I not? Uh, I really don't know how to, you know, answer that. That's a great, great question. Um, and it's on the spot too. So it makes it even more authentic. I would say, um, you know, as men, sometimes I think it's, it's not as, I'm not gonna say taboo, but maybe for us to show our feelings in that moment, true feelings in that moment. Um, you know, whether we care too much or we really don't don't care at all. And sometimes um, I think I just care too much. I, I think that being aware and, and just caring too much, but it's something that, you know, it's like wearing your sleeve when you're passionate about something or you're passionate about others, you know, you can't help, but, you know, just trying to, you know, channel that and work through that in the right way and make sure that it comes off in the right way uh, because it's all about energy and what I pass on and transform to you and so forth. That's good. Um, for me, I would say an important feeling that I am not letting into my awareness, um, maybe something like around appreciation. Um, I feel like in the last few weeks, I've had a lot of great things happening. But sometimes, like you said earlier, with, you know, great things happening and more responsibilities, now you get kind of caught up in the, all right, let me implement and, you know, how do you make this work or make sure you hold on to it, etc. Whereas I probably need to take more time to really be you know, excited and appreciative of, you know, the opportunities that are being put before me. So that's what I'm going to say. Those are both great. Um, I would say feelings of thriving and being safe and okay. Like, I feel like so much of my life was like surviving, like all these skills to fight opposition and to get here and to claw my way up. So, you know, where I am and being in all these good spaces that sometimes when I am safe, I still have the mentality of like, looking for what could go wrong or like where I might be missing something. And so I think sometimes it's that feeling of like, you know, you're okay. Like it's safe, it's safe here. You can thrive here. You good. You Gucci. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. That's important too. So listeners, what important feelings are you not letting into your awareness? Um, Look for Mario on Instagram, check out his site, MarioS.com. Check out the foundation. Um, also we want you to comment on the YouTube channel, on the site, um, carlyscouch.com, Carly's Couch on all the social media and, you know, let Mario know what you thought about it, what you got out of the episode and let us know as well. So we look forward to engaging with you all. Um, thank you again, Mario, and we appreciate everybody. See you next week. Bye y'all.